Hello everybody, it's Father Robert Spitzer speaking with you once again. I'm going to be speaking with you in this uh, first episode about the evidence for God from science. So many of our students really believe that faith and science are irreconcilable, and as the Pew survey says, uh, about 50% uh, of the 41% who are going to leave their faith will base their leaving on the fact that they believe that faith and science are not compatible. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, the opposite viewpoint uh, with you today because there is a lot of evidence for God from science and this comes out in the second module of our seven essential modules. Remember, just simply click on CredibleCatholic.com, go to the second module and you'll get a 90-minute presentation of this evidence that I'm going to sum up in a few minutes. First of all, what, is, what can science do? What can't science do? Science can't disprove the existence of God. It's impossible because science is based on observational evidence. And observational evidence must come from within our universe. We can't observe anything outside of our universe. Yet God, by definition, right, is an uncaused cause. God, by definition, is transcendent. God is trans-universal, trans-multiversal, trans-physical, trans-material. How can you prove, disprove a trans-physical, trans-material entity like God with evidence that comes from within our universe? merely physical evidence, merely universal evidence, right? You can't do it. We can't observe God outside of our universe. There's no way you can disprove the existence of God from science using necessarily uh, observable data. So there's also very good reason on the 90-minute on the, uh, 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 module where I talk about why scientists cannot show that the universe doesn't need a creator. But why do we think that a universe does need a creator? Why do some of the best physicists in the world believe that a universe does need a creator? Uh, I'm going to talk about three areas uh, of evidence. The first is called space-time geometry proofs. The second area is called um, the entropy, and we'll explain it in a moment. And the third area is called fine-tuning of initial conditions and universal constants. Just a brief overview of these uh, much bigger areas covered in our second module uh, um, in CredibleCatholic.com. Uh, first of all, the Bordeaux, Lincoln, and Guth proof. That's a space-time geometry proof. Who are these uh, people? Arvind Borda is a physicist up at the Cavalier Institute, the University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, Alexander Vilenkin is the director of the Institute of Cosmology at Tufts University. Uh, Dr. Alan Guth is the uh, um, uh, high chair of cosmology at uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology and also um, uh, is um, the father of inflationary cosmology, one of the most important dimensions of the contemporary Big Bang Theory. These three individuals got together in 2003 and published a proof uh, now called the Board of Lincoln-Guth proof or the BVG proof and uh, essentially it shows on the basis of one condition namely that a universe or a multiverse or a string universe that if it has uh, if it meets this one condition that if it has an expansion rate greater than zero no matter how small that universe will require a beginning. This applies to our universe, 
It and of course, every multiverse must be inflationary. Therefore, every multiverse must have uh, a, uh, uh, an expansion rate greater than zero. And we also know every string universe in the higher dimensional space of string theory must also have an expansion rate greater than zero. And every oscillating universe must have an average expansion rate greater than zero. An oscillating universe is, uh, you know, the bouncing universe hypothesis, expanding and contracting. Every known universal or multiversal hypothesis currently requires a beginning according to the board of Alenkin and Guth proof. But that's not the only evidence. The second kind of evidence also talked about in great length um, in the 90-minute uh, uh, module on CredibleCatholic.com. That is called entropy. Entropy just simply means uh, order within the universe. Now, order essentially means disequilibrium, as it turns out. Hot places over here, cold places over there, right? But entropy is a very important indication of the age of, of a physical system. And of course, the universe is a physical system, so it's also an indication of the age of the universe. And here's the thing with entropy. Uh, the order which is necessary um, uh, for or any uh, change to occur, the order that's necessary for a physical system to do anything, it actually breaks down over time. And that's called entropy. It gets used up. It gets broken down. And finally, the whole system runs down. And entropy is an irreversible process. So this, we start with a lot of order in the universe, but over the course of time, as physical systems continue to do work, they lose a little bit of their order every single time work is done by this physical system irreversibly until the finite amount of order in the system, uh, the finite amount of disequilibrium in the system is completely used up, at which point, of course, uh, the universe could no longer do anything. Now, now here's, it's like, you know, think of it like a toy soldier. You wind up that toy soldier, and the winding up part is giving it order. You're putting tension in the spring. Then when you let the toy soldier walk, it walks until it uses up all the tension in the spring, at which point the to toy soldier cannot do anything more until it's wound up again. Sort of a crude analogy, but you get the point. If the universe really were an infinite time old, if it really had been around for an eternity, for an infinite number of seconds, the universe would have reached maximum entropy. That's maximum disorder. And the universe would not be able to do anything today. It would be a dead universe. But the fact is, the universe is at a very low state of entropy. There's still stars being formed. There's still gases being burned. There's still planets being formed. And there's still physicists thinking about it. For all intents and purposes, then, what we are seeing is a a low entropy universe when our expectation of an infinitely um, uh, long universe would be a universe at thermodynamic equilibrium, that is to say a dead universe. We clearly do not have one. It implies, even by the latest criteria for entropy, it implies that the universe has not been around for an infinite amount of time, a finite amount of time, which in turn requires a beginning. Now, if you put these two pieces of evidence together, the massive 
massive amount of, ent of evidence from entropy, the massive amount of evidence from the Board of Alenkin and Guth proof, and you put them together, what you wind up with is that a multiverse needs a beginning. Every multiverse needs a beginning. Every string universe in the higher dimensional space of string theory needs a beginning, right? Every oscillating, bouncing universe, expanding, contracting, needs a beginning. Our universe needs a beginning. It's inescapable. And one of the developers, the uh, formulators of the Board of Vilenkin and Guth Proof, uh, Dr. Alexander Vilenkin at, uh, at uh, Tufts University there, the director of the Institute of Cosmology there, he put it this way. I'm going to give a paraphrase, but uh, uh, pretty close. It is said that uh, a good argument will convince a, a reasonable person and that a proof will convince even an unreasonable person. But now that the proof is in place, what proof? The Board of Lincoln and Guth proof combined with the entropy evidence. But now that the proof is in place, cosmologists, cosmologists are people who just study the, um, the uh, early universe and of course the constituency of the early universe, right? Cosmologists can no longer hide behind the possibility of a past eternal universe. There is no escape. They must confront the reality of a beginning. Now, this is one of uh, uh, the finest scientists, uh, uh, physicists, uh, alive today. And by the way, he read a paper concerned with this topic uh, at the, uh, Stephen Hawking's 70th birthday party, sort of as a little, uh, in 2012, as a little response to Stephen Hawking's book, The Grand Design. And um, uh, Lisa Grossman, who was covering it for the New Scientist, called it the worst birthday present ever. But the point, uh, I digress, but the point I'm trying to get to is, is there evidence for a beginning of our universe? Yes. Is there evidence for the beginning of every multiverse? Yes. Of every string universe? Yes. So what we're dealing with then is we're dealing with a substantial amount of evidence for a beginning. And a beginning implies a creator. In real brief time, if, if the universe or multiverse or physical reality itself, no matter how it's configured, if, if the universe or multiverse needs a beginning, Prior to that beginning, the universe was nothing. That is to say, no physical time and no physical space. No physical mass and physical energy, no physical constants. Now, if the universe or the multiverse or physical reality itself was nothing, I can assure you of this much. It couldn't do anything because the only thing that nothing can do is nothing because it's nothing. Please don't sneak something into nothing. But again, I digress. My real point that I, I'm trying to make here is that if the universe was nothing prior to be, the beginning, or if physical reality itself in a multiverse or string universe was nothing prior to that beginning, then the universe could never have moved itself from nothing to something. Because when it was nothing, it could only do nothing. And of course, if that's the case, then something else, something which transcends our universe, something which transcends physical reality itself, no matter how it's configured, that transcendent reality is going to have to move physical reality, no matter how it's configured, it's going to have to move it from nothing to something when it was nothing. And that something sounds like God. Is this God intelligent? Well, there's actually evidence for that as well. And this is called the fine-tuning of universal constants. Now, of course, I, I'm going to refer back to CredibleCatholic.com. Go to the second module, and you're going to get the lengthy explanation of this. But right now, my real purpose is to give you an overview. First, entropy. 
we need really low entropy in our universe. Remember, <clears throat> we need this kind of physical order within the universe in order for the universe as a physical system to do any work. And we know that we've got entropy. And so this physicist, uh, Roger Penrose, and by the way, entropy is absolutely necessary for a life form. If you don't have low entropy, excuse me, low entropy is necessary for a life form. If you don't have low entropy in the universe, if you've got high entropy, you're never going to have a life form developing, let alone e evolving uh, within our universe. So we need that low entropy desperately. So Roger Penrose, very famous physicist at, uh, uh, at Oxford University calculated what the odds would be against low entropy at the Big Bang. It came out, came out to 10 raised to the 10 raised to the 123 to 1 against. That's the same odds as a monkey typing the entire corpus of Shakespeare by random tapping of the keys in a single try. Really, really, really improbable. And of course, we need it. We won't have a life form without it. So you mean to say that the odds of us having the low entropy necessary for a life form is about 10 raised to the 10 raised to the 123 to 1, about the same as a monkey typing Shakespeare? The answer is yes. That's the odds. You're only going to get a solution to this fine-tuning problem by postulating a multiverse, and I'll talk about that in a moment, or you can get it by postulating um, essentially a... Uh, um, a designer, a very intelligent designer, who sets the initial conditions of the universe toward a highly improbable consequence of the total phase space available uh, in the universe, namely a low entropy universe. And uh, take your pick. You, you know, you're going to have to pick one of them. And as we'll see in a moment, a multiverse requires fine-tuning itself. Just want to go to a second kind of, of um, uh, fine-tuning uh, argument as well. And this comes from our universal constants. We have all kinds of universal constants out there. And the key point that I want to get to is you've got the speed of light constant, Planck's constant, uh, the cosmological constant, Hubble's constant, and then all of our forces have constants as well. You know, the strong nuclear force has a strong nuclear force co uh, coupling constant. The weak force has the weak force constant. The electromagnetic force has three constants. The mass of the proton, the mass of the electron, and the electromagnetic charge. And the gravitational uh, force has gravitational constant. Now all these constants have to have precisely the values they have at the Big Bang. And if they don't have those values at the Big Bang, then life will become impossible. I'll give you one illustration. There are many more on the 90-minute module that you can see uh, on our second module at CredibleCatholic.com. Here's one for example. If you altered that gravitational constant or the weak force constant by one part in 10 to the 50th, one part in 10 to the 50th. That fraction is so small, it's a decimal point followed by 49 zeros in a one. Teeny little fraction, higher or lower from the value it just happened to have at the Big Bang. Then either the universe would have been in continuous explosion as it expanded, which would have devastated every life form, or alternatively, the universe would have collapsed into a black hole with infinite crushing capacity, which would have devastated any possibility of 
a life form. You mean we averted complete universal disaster by one part in 10 to the 50th in these, uh, con in these uh, two constants? Absolutely. Hey, the same applies for the strong nuclear force coupling constant. The same applies for the mass of the proton, the mass of the electron, and the electromagnetic charge. The same applies to the resonance levels necessary for carbon. I mean, it, it's literally, you know, the odds of all these constants falling into place, not j by pure chance, not just a monkey typing the entire corpus of Shakespeare by random tapping of the keys. This would be a monkey typing the entire corpus of English literature by random tapping of the keys in a single try. It, 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 impossible to explain by any kind of random chance occurrence. You're either going to have to have a multiverse or you're going to have to have uh, a, a designer god. I'm just going to tell you this now. You can see it on the 90-minute uh, 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 module. Uh, I'll just say every multiverse hypothesis requires fine-tuning itself in its initial conditions and constants, meaning that the problem is not of fine-tuning is not resolved by appealing to a multiverse. The multiverse has fine-tuning. Where did the multiverse get fine-tuning in its initial conditions and constants, etc., etc.? We're going to revisit that problem again. The really, the best rational, reasonable, and responsible uh, uh, conjecture and conclusion that we can give to our students is to say an intelligent God, an intelligent creator God that created the whole of physical reality, its constants and its space-time really exists and that is the reason we have the finely tuned universe that we have today that initiated out of a beginning perhaps 13.8 billion years ago, plus or minus 100 million years, or perhaps a longer time ago, but a beginning it has and a creator is implied by it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. If you're really interested in, in these areas, take a look at the longer version, the 90-minute version, CredibleCatholic.com. Just click on that big uh, red uh, button in the center, uh, and, you know, where it says Seven Essential Modules, and click on Module 2. You'll get a much longer, better explanation. Thanks for joining me. Father Spitzer, over and out.